the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's a couple minutes after 4 and you are listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Thank you for tuning in. Forecast calling for a cloudy rest of the afternoon. And evening, may get a shower or two tonight, low dropping to 34, kind of cloudy tomorrow, some sun at times, high 55, and actually we're looking at temperatures in the 50s for most of the week, may even get to 60 by Friday, so that's nice, we'll take that, we actually have a little work being done on the house, and it's nice to see a forecast where those who are working on the house can actually come and work, as opposed to a pouring rain or super chilly day. So that's good news on that front. Sixers, 114 over, uh, 95 over Cleveland yesterday. Uh, it'd be uh, Tobias Harris leading the way for the Sixers. The Flyers are at Florida tomorrow night at 7. Tonight in Monday Night Football, Kansas City at the Chargers at 8.15. And uh, yesterday, of course, the Eagles uh, losing to the Patriots 17-10. to And uh, and that was, uh, a, a, you know, not to be completely, um, not a complete surprise that that happened. Patriots, obviously a, a great team, and they had lost the week before. I did not have a chance to sit down and research, but... I'm guessing the Patriots haven't lost back-to-back games in a very long time. So that fact alone would have led me to think that the Eagles would have their hands full yesterday, let alone the fact that they're playing against arguably the greatest quarterback in history in Tom Brady. So, uh, But even more than football, in a way, I, I was uh, taking my daughter to youth group last night, and I was listening to the game on the way home, and uh, there was an announcement. Merrill Reese, the Eagles' longtime broadcaster, mentioned that Bill Lyon had passed away. Bill Lyon, a longtime columnist in Philadelphia, 81 years old. He'd been suffering from Alzheimer's the last five or six years. Uh, prior to that, had covered Philly sports and written so eloquently for such a long time. I happen to have covered the Phillies and the Flyers and, and, and the Eagles for about 20 years and still go down there every now and again. I did, did, not, did not know Bill, but he's definitely Mr. Philadelphia in many ways, especially as a columnist and um, have a couple of uh, – columnists who knew him very well who are going to check in with us this hour marcus hayes and uh, mike sealski both from the inquirer just to share a few thoughts about bill lyon i grew up reading him as many of those listening to my voice right now probably if you're a sports fan at all you know exactly who bill lyon is and his very special writing style so i just want to get a little perspective on them also a gentleman named eric nixon is going to join us he's with the ministry johnny and friends specifically the one based in Souderton. They have a parade coming up in a few weeks. And just to share a little bit about the ministry of Johnny and Friends, a lot of folks know about Johnny Erickson Tata and her story. And uh, as she, I think she was 17 years old when she was in a diving accident, left her paralyzed from the neck down, and God has used her tremendously over the decades that have followed. Um, so we'll be chatting with Eric at some point during the hour. We have some giveaways to do too. So uh, keep it here for all of those things. One other thing, just to throw you away before we take our first break, um, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is Weekend to Remember, that marriage conference that uh, you've been hearing about. It's not too late to sign up. In fact, if you're like me, 
I kind of almost needed to be like right in front of me to finally decide just that sometimes there's so many things going on. I know I, I think I want to do something. And then uh, when it comes into clear focus as it's closer to the actual date of something, that's when I tend to commit. I'd, I'd like to be more, uh, you know, buttoned up than that and have things knocked out way ahead of time. And sometimes it happens. But uh, more importantly, if you are thinking of going to this conference, you've heard about it. Number one, it's definitely not too late. Number two, if you want to go, like one and a half million couples have done worldwide, a little positive peer pressure there, whether your marriage is going well and you just want to tweak it and, and enjoy a weekend away together, or maybe, maybe things are really not going well at all, but you, you're willing to give it one more shot or, or give it another a little bit of time uh, this week or somewhere in between, this weekend can be a real help. And uh, one way that it, we can help in our partnership with Weekend to Remember and Family Life is give you $100 off the registration cost. So uh, if you go to WFIL.com and you click through the banner there uh, and just put the promo code WEEKEND, then you get $100 off. So uh, to keep that in mind, if you go to WFIL.com and um, and uh, take advantage of that, might as well. My mom used to say, might as well, right? So that's one of my mom's sayings, and I'm saying it now, comes right to mind. Might as well get the $100 off. The promo code is WEEKEND at WFL.com, and then uh, that's that's for this coming weekend's uh, Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference. Saturday morning, by the way, I plan to be there with the WFL table, so please come by and say hello. Probably be there like 8 to noon or something. We'll have some FIL stuff to hand out as well. That's this coming weekend uh, in King of Prussia. All right, back uh, with just a quick break. We'll come back. We have uh, several guests lined up, and we'll roll them out one at a time here. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 410 on The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Mentioned at the top of the program about the passing of Bill Lyon, longtime Philadelphia sports columnist, very, very, very well respected and with good reason. And we're glad to bring in Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer to chat about him a little bit and the game a bit, too. Hello, Marcus. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, Tim. How are you today? I'm good. You know, I read your column about Bill Lyon and uh, and the game. And uh, number one, you did a great job because uh, you, you still talked about the game, but it was really kind of like about Bill and his life. And that's kind of how he wrote, too, right? He wrote about the game, but about life a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, he did. He was, uh, he tried to, I don't know, I, he tried to humanize everything that he wrote about and i think that's why people connected with him so well yeah reading his stuff i remember as a kid and even into you know adulthood was like reading it was almost like reading a book like like so much like if if other stuff was uh cocoa puffs he's right he's got granola and you know going and Mm -hmm. really makes you think so um talk about your your friendship with bill a little bit and and what you learned from him just you know working alongside and or observing well, you know, it's interesting. I was a beat writer for all of Bill's years as a columnist that overlapped my existence here in Philadelphia. Hmm. So, you know, I would see him when he would come around to the Eagles and when he'd come around to the Phillies. And, you know, the Phillies weren't very good up until his retirement. They got a little bit better when he retired. But, um, you know, my interaction with Bill was less, I'd say, remarkable been my observation of Bill and my, you know, sort of uh, uh, reading Bill and understanding that, you know, I'm from a really small town. Where I come from, you can't get a daily paper delivered still. It's that small. So there wasn't, you know, 
a, a columnist with, with a big voice that you would kind of follow, if you know what I mean. So Bill, Bill uh, Conlon, Stan Hockman, uh, Rich Hoffman, Frank Dolson when I first got into town in the mid-'90s, yeah. uh, Phil Sheridan, who became a columnist before I did, they all sort of informed me on how to do the job that I have now and that Mike has now. And without that, I, I don't know sort of what I have done, you know. They sort of, uh, you know, and they were all very different voices. And as I said, one of the things that Bill did, which I appreciated, appreciate, and always try to do myself, and have always tried to do since I became a writer, is, uh, like I said, he humanized it. He wrote about people. Yeah. He wrote about how you might feel and how a certain event or a certain situation might make you feel. And he, and I think, again, that's why people are sort of drawn to Bill, um, especially nostalgically, now that we have so many people with so many voices trying to be heard over each other. You know, Bill was fortunate to, to work in an era where being the columnist in town carried a little bit more cachet than it does today because there were fewer voices, there were fewer outlets. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> you could... Uh, you could really carve a niche for yourself being, you know, the voice of equanimity and reason. And that's exactly what he did. Marcus Hayes with us, uh, the Philly Inquirer, and he wrote this article. Uh, Bill Lyon, longtime columnist, 81 years old, passed away yesterday. I actually heard about it. I just dropped my daughter off at youth group at church at 7, and I'm driving home, and I'm listening to Merrill Reese, who just right like a minute later, two, or right around 7, made that announcement. Uh, and you mentioned actually led in your article with the fact that uh, he was so well-respected that there was a moment of silence in the press box for him. Yeah. Wow. Uh, kind of cool. There, there, there were, you know, I'm sure there were dozens of people who had no idea who Bill Lyon was, but there were dozens of people who did. And, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> you, you miss a, the two people who are probably missed the most in the press box are Bill and, uh, and Rich Hoffman who retired because they were they're the kind of people that help you. Hmm. You know, they help everyone. So, you know, that's yeah. kind of, you know, you, you, it's really hard to replace that. It's really hard to replicate that, you know, especially today. Marcus, you, you mentioned also the idea of being, um, uh, writing about the, you know, humanity and about life in the midst of the sports. And in a way, Philadelphia, at least the years that Bill was writing, certainly ripe for that because you had to look for other things besides wins and championships because those were few and far between. They happened, but there were a lot of low moments. And in your in your article that you wrote, your column, you you kind of mentioned this was this is a, a season he liked he liked that that te- place of tension, if you will. Well, if you're a writer, if you're there to you know hang out with the team and be a fan, then yeah, you need them to win to enjoy yourself. But if you're a writer, the best seasons are the seasons that are uncertain where jobs are at stake, careers are at stake. Those are the best stories, you know? So, you know, you, for example, if Deshaun Jackson doesn't have the injury that he has, this season is a lot less interesting. Yeah. But this season is very interesting right now for right. the Eagles. Right. You know, all that, all that said, I mean, writers love seasons that involve, that involve, drama that involve conflict yeah. and 
that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's fun for, if you're a writer, you know, the stories kind of write themselves. And when teams are really, really successful, access is more difficult. Uh, It's, uh, it's, there are more, there are more people, you know, vying for attention, you know, from the athletes, things like that. Sure. But when they're mediocre, when they're five and five, like the Eagles are right now, unless they're a huge disappointment, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of interesting. You know, it's, it's kind of fun to, to be around these people and understand, you know, sort of who they are. And most of them are young men just beginning their lives and they have issues with, you know, faith and they have issues with, um, relationships and maturity, all sorts of things, you know? Sure. And it's really, it's really, really cool to get to know these young men because, most of the athletes we cover and most of the coaches and most of the uh, front office people are hyper achievers. They're the kinds of, they're the people that make the world go round no matter what, you know, no matter what uh, part of the world they occupy. So, yeah. you know, those people are fun to be around. They're dynamic. You know, when I, when I talk to classes all the time about writing and writing about sports, there's, there, you know, politicians are a, really a cut below what I, co- I cover CEOs, you know, I cover superstars, I cover rainmakers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there really isn't, a, as far as I know, there just isn't a comparable, you know, sort of demographic to cover that you have that, this sort of daily access to, you know, this sure. sort of immediate and daily access. So that said, you know, I, I think Bill appreciated every second he was allowed to be, on a newspaper, writing for money, and in the presence of really any athletes, but especially you know professional athletes who have uh, you know who have achieved to that point and are likely to achieve in every every uh, area of their lives. Marcus Hayes with the Philadelphia Inquirer, our guest, uh, longtime writer in the Philadelphia market on many sports and many different th- columns over the years. I guess thousands of them by this <laughs> at this point in your lifetime. Um, and the one you wrote last night, uh, kind of marrying the Bill Lyon, longtime columnist passing away with the Eagles game itself. Uh, I will say this one thought came to mind and you know, kind of, kind of like, I know that you're capable of doing this and, and, and you did a very great, good job with this column. I'm thinking though, you obviously you don't know he's going to pass away during the game. And it speaks to the idea of where, you know, what were you writing and then how do you quickly, how does this whole thing come together so fast? Uh, so to speak relatively quickly, because what you wrote easily, if I'm looking at this, I'm like, I could have maybe written something in this this direction, but it would take me a lot longer, and I would have been frustrated. I had to drop what I was thinking and completely shift gears. I mean, it really is a skill. Well, it's the thing I'm proudest of when I in the job that I do. I also try to humanize things, but more than anything else, I I try to be able to be both versatile and fast. And there. That gets me. It gets me a lot of good assignments. It gets me a lot of prime time games. Gets me a lot of playoff games because I, I can. I know what I'm talking about about a lot of different things, and I can produce it very, very quickly. You know, in general, and compared to, you know, compared to other uh, other writers, and not real dirty. It doesn't take a lot of editing. So, but this, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, it, 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 but it, it's the thing that Bill did best. Bill, well, Bill was very. Bill was better than I was. 
at encapsulating a moment and pushing send when the buzzer sounded. That's the thing that he did. Yeah, that. yeah. Very, very fast and incredibly clean. <laughs> yeah, and so just for fun, just for those just tuning in, you're listening to Tim DeMar's show on WFIL in Philly. Uh, we're chatting with Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, he wrote a column on Bill Lyon, a longtime columnist, one of the greatest this city's ever seen, who passed away yesterday at 80, age 81. Uh, was battling Alzheimer's for the last uh, five or six years. Um, but anyway, I, I um, to, to, to kind of back up what you just said, just as an example, of all the years I've covered the Philly sports, I've done it more in a um, – uh, I don't have a column, so I don't have a deadline like you do. And it's more of the relationship building with the players, and then periodically they'll call in or they have someone like yourself on where there's less stress. I can prepare and think a little bit. And uh, But there was one season where I did some some writing for – in, in, the, in the world of hockey, covering Flyers games specifically, rather than just the relationship side of things. And there was one game in particular, the Flyers were up 2 nothing with three minutes left, and I'm doing my prep the whole game, and I'm starting to incorporate some stuff about shutouts and all that. And then the other team scored a goal with about a minute and a half left. Like, you know, so there goes part of my story. And then uh, they tied up in the last 20 seconds, and then the Flyers lose in overtime. So the entire story unraveled in a short amount of time, and I had to file something within three minutes of the game being over. I'm like, I don't like this very much. <laughs> so, you know, you, but you've, you know, you've done enough of that where I guess sometimes you're just on the, on the craft side of things. Are you sometimes writing a couple of different ways as the, depending? Because the, if, the, if the kick is good, they win. If the kick is not good, they lose. And, you know, how do you handle that sort of uh you know, deadline and, and well, speed. It, it's interesting because, you know, this is one of the things, one of the, one of the mechanisms that Bill Lyon and Stan Hockman, who also recently left us, both of them, and Bill Fleischman, who also recently left us, who was the uh, editor at the Daily News and covered hockey for years as a columnist, they were spectacular at preparing. So by the time the puck dropped or the ball went up in the air or it was kicked off, they were really ready for any eventuality. Hmm. And, you know, I will spend, for a typical Eagles game, I'll spend about an hour and a half or two hours, especially if it's a, a, a foreign opponent. Like, I didn't spend an hour and a half or two hours on the Patriots on Saturday night, but I did spend, you know, probably an hour and a half on the Bears and the Packers, uh, you know, when I went to, when I, when I covered those games. I probably spent, Two hours on who was it? Um, Detroit, right? Um, because I was pretty, you know, unfamiliar. You know, I knew Matt Patricia was their coach. I knew who their quarterback was before he broke his back, and you know, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I matter of fact, I spent three hours preparing for. I went to the Indianapolis Colts Raiders game, and that was a you know that was an education. I knew a lot about both the head coaches, Gruden and Reich, but, you know, the composition of the teams and, you know, it took me about 45 minutes to figure out how many times and for what Richie Incognito and Fontes Perfect had been suspended. You know? <laughs> right, so, right. But that's a lesson, that's a lesson I learned from, you know, from Hockman and Lyon and Fleischman. And, you know, the interesting thing about Rich Hoffman, the uh, retired Daily News columnist, is that he was so smart, he didn't really have to study. Like, he just kept current with mm. everything all the time. Yeah. Uh, he also went to, you know, the Wharton School at Penn and uh, probably was smarter and better, better educated than, than any two of us combined. But, um, or is, he's, you know, he's still around. His yeah. son, Richard, uh, writes for The Athletic. He covers the Sixers for The Athletic. 
but yeah, I mean, that's how you, that's how you're able to be nimble. But frankly, you know, it's kind of like being fast on the ground or being powerful in the weight room. You know, you, you either got it or you don't. Like I, I can't do math fast, but I can write you 200 words in five minutes. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. you know there's just, everybody has, everybody's brain works differently and Bill Lyon's brain worked faster and smarter and cleaner and more elegantly than almost anybody else's. Yeah, and many of us were privileged to read so many of his columns over the years. And, uh, and we're glad that we have you around to, to read yours. And again, uh, chat with Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer, whose most recent column, I, I know, unless you've written one this morning, had to do with uh, you know, Bill Lyons passing yesterday, a longtime columnist in Philadelphia. It was 81, and I also combined that with the Eagles and their tough loss yesterday. Uh, maybe just we could wrap up talking about that for just a moment, that the Eagles themselves, I, you know, I don't know. When, do you know when the last time the Patriots lost two games in a row? I, you know, just that fact alone made me think the Eagles would have a, have a tough time. You know, lose. You know, so it's got to be years since that happened. I would think several seasons at least. Yeah, there, there's something like uh, 14 and two after after a loss over the last 10 years or something like. That. It's, re- it's really kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually wrote a column about how Carson Wentz played and what it means, and I got to tell you, I. I it's been a long time since I've seen a guy choke that badly. Hmm. He was just he was horrendous start to finish. He was horrendous in every area accuracy. Yeah, he had a heart. He, the, the, knowing when to oh, it was awful, and it was the biggest game of the year and the the kind of game because Washington and Dallas or not Washington but Dallas and Minnesota won. It's the kind of game they had to win and right. they had a chance to win. Like if he thrown, I should, if they had been, you know blown out 28 to 10 versus losing 17 to 10 is one thing. Carson just needed to be a little bit better and that game goes to overtime and maybe you have a different result. Right. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't good enough for prime time. And that's just not excusable for a guy making $128 million and not only making that money, but having been chosen over a guy who you could have gotten for half the price who won you a Super Bowl. And another playoff game. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot in there, and I'm sure he's the first to tell you he knows that pressure from a lot of different angles. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, if there's one, if there's one game, I guess you can kind of be like, well, maybe it'd be against going against Belichick and 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 Brady. But if it happens again, you know, against Russell Wilson and and the and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks next week, obviously at five and six, that would really be uh, a, a tough road to hoe to get back into things, but. We'll yeah, see. I think it's over. I think it's done. <laughs> I, you know, Dallas. Dallas looks good. You know, they lose to see. I, I can't see them beating Seattle with Lane Johnson coming off a concussion. Alshon Jeffrey maybe coming off an ankle. Jordan Howard maybe coming off a shoulder injury. You know, they they have too many holes. You know, too many primary weapons that aren't aren't really sound, and their quarterback. Just played the worst game, maybe of his uh, of his short career. So it does not uh, it doesn't look good. We'll see. We'll see because you wrote a very optimistic article last week or so, about a week or two ago. So things can change, right? Well, I think I wrote it. I think I wrote the, that article before they won two games, and I looked at I looked at who they were, who they were getting back, and all of that sort of stuff. And I said, okay, well, if they you know stay healthy, and if Carson plays as well as he's currently playing, 
you know, they yeah. could win the East. They could they could win the wild card. Right. And they won two games. But since then, their number one running back, number one receiver, and their deep threat all got hurt or re-injured. And Carson hasn't, you know, he played terribly coming out of a bye against a team he should have been prepared for. Yeah. You know, maybe that's the story. Maybe maybe they maybe these guys aren't doing during the bye week what they should be doing. Marcus Hayes, our guest. Thank you, my friend. Philadelphia Inquiry. You can read him there. And, uh, again, the column we were chatting about today primarily about uh, Bill Lyons passing and the Eagles game yesterday and woven together like a pro, we, the, both of those teams. So you got your story about the game but also about something even bigger, which really was in a lot of ways what Bill Lyons' writing was about. Like you said, he talked about the games, but he talked about life. And with his life uh, you know, concluding yesterday – this was an article really well done and, and, and you know, did, him a good, did him good justice. So thank you for writing it, my friend, and for taking time with us. All right, Tom. Thanks. Talk, talk to you later. All right. That's Marcus Hayes. We'll take a short break. We'll come back and continue our program. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking we have, we have several things to do. We have some giveaways to do as well before the show is done. So. Keep it here. Have our number ready, 800-560-WFIL for that, 800-560-9345. Back in just a moment. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Forecast calling for a cloudy rest of the afternoon and evening. May get a shower or two eventually, low of 34. Kind of cloudy, a little sun tomorrow, warming up a bit. High 55, we're actually supposed to be in the 50s most of the rest of the week. Sixers 114-95 over Cleveland yesterday. Tobias Harris with 27 points. Flyers are at Florida tomorrow night at 7. Football tonight, KC and the uh, Chargers going at it at 8-15. And uh, the Eagles, speaking of football, lost 17-10 to New England. We had Marcus Hayes of the Inquirer on with us there for a while and just talking about not just the game, but even more. Uh, Bill Lyon, longtime columnist in Philadelphia, passing away yesterday at age 81. And one of the things we like to do with this program is certainly tap into Philadelphia and what's going on in the region. Some of the guests that we have are national, some are local, and uh, and some of the stuff that we talk about similarly is uh, national or even international. And then in other cases, it's very local. And so that's a cool thing. That's one reason we want to have the program is to be able to build into the community. And um, so... So that's why we're here. And we appreciate your prayers, by the way. The podcast for the program, available at WFIL.com whenever you like. Help yourself to that. Uh, beautiful day in the neighborhood, you may have heard about, how Mr. Rogers showed the world how kindness and love can triumph over cynicism. Looking forward to seeing the film this evening during a showing that we're having in King of Prussia. Encourage you to take your family to see it. By all takes and in all accounts, this is going to be a really good one. It's one starring Tom Hanks. And uh, I'll share more about that after having a chance to see it tonight. Uh, we move along now. We actually have another guest who is of the local variety, but also a national scope, really, or international. Eric Nixon. Hello, Eric. How are you, man? Hey, Tim. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking a few minutes to chat a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Tim, I'm with Corinne Carr. Um, yeah. She's the program manager for Johnny and Friends. Sure. And uh, she's got all the details. Okay. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? Hey, Corinne. Is that is that right? Yes, that's right. That's a nice. I like that name. Thank you. Yeah. Double R in the middle, right? Uh, one R, two ends. <laughs> oh, see? Now, see, you got to make it confusing for me. All right. I'll... I do my best. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit. So uh, for folks not as familiar with, with Johnny and friends in general, maybe just take a moment and share a little bit. You're based in Satterton, Pennsylvania. 
but yes. but just yes. the story behind Johnny. You know, Jared, I read the book John. You know, Johnny a long time ago. Her her book. I guess it was thirty five, forty years ago. It's been been around for a long time. But yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it has. So uh, Johnny Erickson, she dove into shallow water when she was seventeen and broke her neck. Uh, obviously, changed her life in in so many ways, and she went through. Uh, large period, a long period of time of depression and really dealing with all the whys that come along with that. Um, but God was able to use a lot of different people to speak into her life, and she was um, she kind of had the realization that um, she needed to use that trial that God had given her for His glory. And so she decided to start Johnny and Friends, um, which is the organization that we're talking about yeah. and that I work for. Um, and so we do a lot of different things. One of those things is to I uh, do family retreats in the summer for families affected by disability and, um, and of course, a lot of different community events as well. Yeah, we'll chat with Corinne. I didn't actually catch your last name, Corinne. Yeah, sure. Uh, Carr, Corinne Carr. Carr, okay, great. Corinne Carr is our guest and Eric Nixon, who I've known for quite some time in uh, the Ministry of Johnny and Friends, based in Satterton, but you also service um, out, uh, you know, throughout the tri-state area and even greater area, right? Like down in Virginia, even in Maryland and all that. Share about kind of the scope of things. And for those who are listening, perhaps how they can be connected to Johnny and Friends or what might be appropriate, how they might be able to be involved or benefit from or or pray for it too. Yeah, absolutely. So we're actually a worldwide organization. Our home office is based in California. But, of course, we have all the different area ministries, we call them, the different offices in the area. Um, and our PA office is, we are here in Satterton and, and serving our kind of the tri-state area here. Um, uh, we have kind of a, a broad reach that way. Um, and, yeah, no, we have, we have offices all over the place. But the other thing that we do that's a little more worldwide is we, we have a Wheels for the World program. And we collect used wheelchairs and walkers and canes and wheelchair parts and um, we send those parts actually to prisons where they get refurbished by the inmates, and um, and then we take those um, those wheelchairs to different countries that don't really have access or mobility, and a lot of people with disabilities there are um, treated oftentimes as outcasts, sadly, and um, we're able to bring them there and to share the gospel and to fit people into wheelchairs, and and so we're if you ever see a wheelchair or a walker or anything on the side of the road, we take donations at all our local offices of those things um, so that we can collect them. Um, a lot of them go to waste. It's surprising. Hmm. But then also our family retreats in the summer, those are just a really great time of respite um, just to give families affected by disability the opportunity to just rest and relax and have fun together um, in a Christ-centered environment. And for many families affected by disability, that's their first vacation ever and probably their only one of the year. So we do need volunteers um, to help us out with those in the summer. We need about 150 volunteers a week. So that's about 450 volunteers per summer. So we definitely need lots of help there. And if you wanted more information about that, you could certainly call our office. Okay. Or the site, too, johnnyandfriends.org. Would that be one way they can do it, too? Yes, absolutely. And we have family retreats all over the U.S., though. So if you did johnnyandfriends.org slash Pennsylvania, that would direct you a little closer towards our, our office. Okay. We're chatting with Corinne Carr uh, uh, with Johnny and Friends based in Satterton, uh, Pennsylvania, and Lancaster in, in this region. But again, na- they're national and all over the world. Uh, and But on the local side of things, you actually have a couple of events coming up. There's one, I think, this Friday, and then there's uh, one coming up in December. Um, you want to chat about those a little bit for a moment? Well, yeah, we do have one coming up in December. That's um, our open house. There's a parade in Satterton that the town puts on every year that they – uh, that they let us walk in, and 
they have a town theme every year. It's recycling this year, so I don't really know how to pull that in real well. But <laughs> it's a good thing. Recycling is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, but we, we're deciding to do snowmen. So we're making snowmen out of recycled material, which is great. Nice. So a lot of our family retreat families are going to walk with us in the parade and just give them a really a great time to be out in the community and to kind of showcase what we do. And we'll also make a, a big deal about our Wheels for the World ministry and, and push wheelchairs and, and talk to people about how uh, they go to different countries. Yeah. And then we'll have an open house at our office right afterwards. So at 11, uh, we'll have our office open and uh, we'll have some cookies and, and drinks and stuff like that. So nice. uh, right in Satterton on East Chestnut Street. That's great. That's great. Uh, Corinne Carr, our guest, uh, with Johnny and Friends. And again, Johnny Erickson Tata, the Johnny in question. Um, and, you know, you, you, one of the things for you, you mentioned uh, a, a moment ago about in a Christ-centered environment, there are lots of ways to be a blessing in the world. And I know there are some folks who, that, um, I, I, when people say full-time ministry, I, I think your life is full-time ministry. So I know what they mean when they say that, but I think you can serve the Lord very, very uh, effectively, and it's very much needed in places that, the, you know, Christianity is not the norm at all. So be, for those who are yeah. listening, if that's you, be encouraged to keep marching on and, and do that. Mm-hmm. But there are other opportunities where a ministry is, is clearly not just helping in general, but they're helping with, with the spiritual aspect more overtly stated. And, and that's something that's part of Johnny and Friends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there are other ways, like we seek to connect with our families throughout the year. We seek to connect them with local churches. Uh, we're not everything, obviously. Johnny and Friends can only do so much. And we know that it's the churches and the community's um, privilege and responsibility to help families affected by disability who are kind of in their direct area. So um, we try to connect families with people who are like them nearby or people who are just accepting and, and willing to come alongside other people. So if you're interested in that as well or, or different um, churches in your area that you can help volunteer with, definitely uh, definitely talk to us as well. That's good. That's good. Johnny and Friends is the ministry, uh, and, and Corinne Carr, our guest for a few moments here. They're based, uh, in your, as far as you guys go, in Satterton, but they're around the country and all over the world. And johnnyandfriends.org uh, slash Pennsylvania will get you a little closer to what's going on more locally, and we're, we're glad to make your acquaintance. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can have you on again down the road and chat a little bit more. Like, uh, Do you have some benchmark things like the parade coming up December 7th in Satterton? Sounds like that's an annual deal. Do you do some things like that periodically throughout the year? Uh, yeah, we do. We have that one. We have um, something going on in Lancaster on, on Friday. Like you mentioned, we have the Extraordinary Give coming up there. Uh, that's a way, like a, a focused kind of fundraiser. Uh, we have different fund- fundraisers throughout the year. And, yeah, we have other community events that, that do periodically come up, but especially our family retreats in the summer. And um, we also have a walk and roll in the fall, which is kind of like a, a walk-a-thon kind of thing, but then also a little bit of a reunion for our families and volunteers. Yeah, that's great. What, what, how long have you been with Johnny and Friends, and, and why did you get involved? Uh, you know, what, what, what tug on your heart to be part of that? The, the Lord, I'm guessing, but what else? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Definitely the Lord. Yeah. It's all, all definitely led by him. Yeah. But um, I've, been, I've worked for Johnny and Friends for about three and a half years, um, but I've been volunteering with Johnny and Friends since I was 14. Um, so wow. it's definitely been a huge part of my life. I, I always say it's kind of the second biggest call in my life other than salvation and knowing the Lord was being called to work uh, and to work with people affected by disabilities with Johnny and Friends. And uh, there's, I've worked with um, people with disabilities in different environments, and Johnny and Friends is different. 
it's Christ-focused, and it is um, it it changes people's lives. It really does. This does. There's no other way to to put it. And it changes people's perspective on disability and on other people and on um, how God views people. Well, it's interesting too, Karen. At, at, you know, thinking as you're saying there at 14, uh, I tie in a lot of things I, I mentioned on the show. I, we, my wife and I've been blessed with five children, and they they're 21 to nine. And yeah. I, I'm learning. I like having people on because I learn from other people all the time. And I, it, it's not lost on me the fact that at 14, as, you know, a seed was planted that has turned into, you know, a lifetime of work for you. And uh, yeah. how, how did the, how did the volunteer part come? But sometimes because we like, you know, we'll suggest to our kids or we'll strongly suggest to our kids <laughs> ser- some kind of service they maybe they should do or whatever it might be. And let them learn, and we've done a lot of homeschooling, and sometimes they've had a little more freedom to do some of those things. But how about for you? What what got you prompted at fourteen to be part of, of as a volunteer? Yeah, well, that's that's a really good point, and I know everyone's story is really different. Um, disability has been a part of my life from a really early age. I've had friends with disabilities since I can crawl, as my mother says. Hmm. Um, but I I definitely. Um, my church had a disability ministry, so that was definitely a part of it, and I. I really enjoyed helping people with disabilities. And then later on, I um, there was a friend of mine who was older, probably in college, and at church did kind of like a, a little slideshow of her time at Johnny and Friends. She had gone, and I watched the slideshow, and I just I knew I had to go. And I was technically too young, but I was allowed to go with my, uh, my older sister, who was over 18 at the time. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it definitely, sometimes it's about like, convincing someone to go. And I was homeschooled as well, so I definitely had a little more freedom to uh, do uh, some more of those things during the day. I used to help somebody who um, was a wheelchair user lead a Bible study at a at a, a church, and I would do that during the day as a as a kid. But um, but sometimes it's it's just having the example of another peer, and that's that's huge. So I definitely encourage other teens and and young people to share their story because even if they're nervous about it, it's something that could affect somebody else later. Yeah. I, I love the fact that someone can just taste something when they're younger and, and maybe they discover, they, they learn something about themselves. They didn't realize, or maybe it comes back later and they, or maybe they just do it for a short season. It's all valuable, yeah. you know? So, so Absolutely. that's great. Well, Corinne, it's nice to make your acquaintance and give Eric yeah. a high five as well on the way out. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully we can, we can catch up with you again sometime soon. Yeah, we'll do. We'd love that. Thank you so much, Tim. You're welcome. That's Corinne Carr with Johnny and Friends based in Satterton. Uh, they have a, per- a Christmas parade and open house. They're part of December 7th. You can get more details on that at Johnny and Friends. Should spell it for you. J-O-N-I. It looks like Joni if you're not familiar, but it's Johnny. J-O-N-I and A-N-D Friends dot org and you do front slash pennsylvania that's how you can find out more about what's going on locally including that christmas parade and open house the 7th of december in Souderton. we're gonna take a short break we'll come back and um had marcus hayes from the philadelphia Inquirer on uh, chatting about the eagles a little while ago and also about uh, the passing of bill lyon at age 81 one of the most well-respected sports writers philadelphia's ever had he passed away yesterday uh, he referenced the name mike in his interview, uh, in our chat, and I was referring to Mike Sielski, who is another major columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer currently. Mike has a few minutes to chat with us, so we'll talk with him right after the break here and get his take. In fact, 
Bill Lyon was Mike's mentor for a good part of the last 20 plus years. So we'll get a different take on that as well. And we do have some giveaways to hand out before the program's done. It's all coming up on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 449, the Tim DeMoss Show. As we continue our conversation, I uh, mentioned before the break, we have Mike Sielski from the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer uh, joining us. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, last night I'm dropping my daughter off at Youth Group, and I'm riding home listening to the Eagles game, and I hear Merrill Reese announce the passing of Bill Lyon, and a uh, longtime uh, writer in this city, beloved by far, and you knew him very, very well. Uh, just wanted to catch your, catch your thoughts on, on Bill as a friend, as a mentor, as a writer, it's a lot to, to jam into a couple of minutes, but uh, I'll let you take the floor. Uh, well, Bill had a, I mean, gosh, he had a profound impact on my life, um, on a lot of lives of a lot of people who grew up reading him, um, who aspired to be sports writers themselves, who were just sports fans. Um, you know, he, I'll tell a very quick story. When I was in college, I, um, I wrote him a letter asking for some career advice, you know, as an aspiring sports writer. And uh, he never wrote me back. What he did instead was look up my name and phone number in uh, the phone book, me up, and uh, invite me to tag along to a Phillies Dodgers game on a Friday night with him. And uh, from there began a 24 year uh, friendship, um, you know, mentor mentee relationship um, that I will treasure for the rest of my life. I don't think there was ever a better sports columnist in the city, I don't think there ever will be. Um, and the amazing thing is that he was a better human being. And I think the last six years of his life when he was uh, fighting Alzheimer's and continuing to write and talk about his fight and be brave and gracious through that fight um, told the world exactly what kind of person he was. You know, the way he wrote uh, was just, it's hard to describe it, but, um, you know, there was there was so much maturity. I don't know what the, if that's the right word. He just seemed to, he, he didn't have like a ramp up and ramp down. It just seemed to, be one high, super high level the entire piece, all the way from start to finish. And I don't know, how would you describe uh, his writing and or what did you learn from him as a writer, as, as you know, with him being your mentor? Yeah, no, I think, I think you, you're pretty good about using the word maturity. Um, I think uh, lyrical would work. I think spare uh, in some ways would work. Um, he was, it's kind of hard. He wasn't really flowery per se, but gosh, he could string sentences together that were just amazing. And I think... More, even more than that, he could see stories where other people might not see them. Mm. Um, I'll give an example. 20 years ago, one of my favorite columns of his he ever wrote was all, during the U.S. Open at Pinehurst in 1999. It was the first round of the tournament, and he followed around a guy named John DeMarco, who was the club pro at Mount Laurel uh, Golf Club. I believe. Yeah. And, you know, the guy, John, had made it to the Open for the first time after trying year after year after year, and he gets in, and his father is following him around across the whole course. And instead of writing about Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or some other famous golfer who, you know, you'd write that piece and be done quickly, and that would be that, and everybody, you know, the editors would be happy that they got their Tiger column, he turned his 1,200 words into you know, a story of fathers and sons, and this father living and dying with every shot that his son takes throughout this first 
round of the United States Open. And uh, if you ever get a chance to go back and read this piece through some kind of archive system, I, I would urge you to do so, because it, to me it's the perfect encapsulation of the writer and, and the man that Bill was. Yeah. Yeah, my, uh, Mike Sealski with the Philadelphia Inquirer, kind enough to just take a few minutes uh, today. It's got to be a hard day for you, too. I mean, you knew he, this was coming one day. He, he's been ill for some years now, Alzheimer's and all that. But even you, as you knew him in these last five or six years, he handled an amazing grace as well. I guess maybe you're not surprised by that. No, I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, you know, we would talk from time to time. I, I had not seen him in a little while. And, and part of that, I have to admit, you know, which doesn't say a whole lot good about me, is that <laughs> I, I honestly didn't want to see him yeah. uh, as his condition condition deteriorated. I wanted to remember him the, the way I remembered him um, yeah. uh, and the way he was. Um, but, you know, as I said, anyone who came in contact with him came away from that, especially in these last few years, just with an immense appreciation for his courage and his strength, his devotion to his family. Um, his wife, Ethel, had died. Um, you know, not long ago, and uh, you know, I think there's consolation um, for, for his family. I hope, and certainly for me, in my mind and heart, that that he's back together with Ethel now. I, uh, you know, you kind of hold on to those those hopes and those feelings yeah. uh, at a moment like this. Mike, thanks for taking time out of your busy day, and uh, we'll hope to catch up uh, again under uh, better circumstances. Although, you know, there's something to be said certainly for celebrating and remembering someone of Bill Lyons' <laughs> nature and, and level. And and thankfully, uh, with the advent, you know, as the internet has progressed over the years, there's ways of reading up and you know remembering the articles you you saw when you were younger. So that that's a good thing too. Yeah, I agree, Tim. Thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day, my friend. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Bye bye. Mike Sealski from the Philadelphia Inquirer spending a few minutes with us in honor of Bill Lyon, longtime Philadelphia columnist, who passed away yesterday at age 81. We have a short break to take, and then we want to uh, give away a few things. In fact, we have some gift cards to uh, to Duncan and Wawa and all that, and we'd like to give a few of those out, courtesy of Brian or Chevrolet. So give me a quick holler right now if you want to win one, 800-560-WFIL. Just a simple $5.60 card to get yourself some coffee or a hoagie or whatever you like. Uh, 800-560-9345. Give me a holler right now. We'll make a couple of winners with WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. And we're back. <laughs> we had a couple of buttons that aren't pushed, but it's all right. We're figuring out this new board situation. So it's all good. Uh, we do have a few minutes left to wrap up the program. So as you're listening, if you want to call in, you're more than welcome to do that to grab a free gift card courtesy again of Brian or Chevrolet in Jenkintown. Tomorrow, actually, speaking of which, Dave Peterson, who is the owner-operator of Brian or Chevrolet, going to be joining us in studio Dave has been doing uh, the car thing for years. He grew up on the lot, so to speak, sweeping the floors, and it's a, it's a four-generation operation, and so he knows a lot. And so um, we're glad to have him. He's been on the phone with us a couple of times in the past few months, but to have him in studio, bottom line is if you have a question about the automotive industry in any shape or form, please be ready to call in and pick his brain because he loves, loves, loves uh, – Taking calls and chat with people. Hello. Uh, speaking of which, who's this? Uh, hi, Tim. This is Rochelle from Ben Salem. What's up, Rochelle? What's crack a lacking? I'll tell you. I, I remember you from before WNTP went political. Wow. Yes. WZZD. 
Yes, WZZD. You introduced me to Trans Siberian Orchestra. It was awesome. Um, it's so nice that you're back on the airway. Thank you. How long? So, do you listen to FIL or had you back All then the- or what? Yes, I was. Con- I was. It was a combination between the two. I was a brand new baby Christian at the time and okay. just trying to suck up the word everywhere I could. And I like the politics side of things too. So. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm an avid 990 listener, and now I'm glad that, that Chris Vidal's on again, and I'm glad to hear you're on again, too. Oh, cool. That's great. And where are you from, Michelle? Um, originally um, down the shore, but I was in Philly for a while, but now I'm up in Ben Salem. Sweet. Wow. Well, it's great to reconnect. It has been fun to, to do that. And for those just tuning in, yeah, 990, which is our sister station, was a Christian music slash teaching and talk station for many years. 2004, uh, and I've been doing a morning show there for close to eight years, and then in 2004, it changed to conservative news talk, which is what it currently is. And so so that path has continued, and then WFIL has remained a Christian teaching and talk station. We kind of moved some programs over from 990 and shored things up and, and, and tightened the lineup even further. So, uh, yeah, so we have the, we're in the same building, and you mentioned Chris Stegall. Yes, he's doing uh, mornings on WNTP, News Talk 990, from 6 to 9. So we're glad that you're tuning in that and enjoying it. And hang on, because we'll get your info off the air and get you a gift card, too, for calling in. Thanks, Rochelle. Thanks. God bless. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening in. We'll turn things over next to Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries. He'll lead in prayer. Have a wonderful evening, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.